Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Welcome to a new edition of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Lots to talk about today with uh, rule changes have finally come down. Rob Manfred wanted to be able to make rule changes without anybody else's um, input without having to go through some big song and dance. And thanks to the last collective bargaining agreement, he can do just that. And he did. So we'll talk about that today. But I have something completely off before we go anywhere around baseball. Does it seem to you that the NFL may be more scripted than we think? Maybe not so much in gameplay, but in where the players are going because tell me this the schedule came out before a lot of the trades and different moves were made and yet somehow in the very first game of the season baker mayfield plays his old team with his new team and russell wilson now a bronco plays the seahawks does that not sound a little too convenient Yes, it was too, I think it is scripted. I think it has become a reality show. You know, it, that was, I was like, wait a minute. How did this become the first Monday night football game when this schedule came out before he went to the Broncos? Yeah. Somebody else manipulating the results of uh, these things. Yeah, and the script writer said this will work best, and Roger Goodell said, You got it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And the outcomes, too. Right? And the closeness yes. of, of scores. Right. The, the, uh, the, neither team just got blown away by the other person. Seattle wasn't left thinking, What have we done? Yeah. And of course, Cleveland wasn't left thinking that either. Nope. So, oh well. I just, I, it just seemed to me like that was just a little too convenient. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, the you know, opening their opening weekend, and they already, you know, are starting storylines, and they've, and they're already manfreding the NFL. Yes, uh, I, I guess they Goodell it. They Goodell it, yeah. The other thing that I had to say before we move on, it's the last thing I'm going to say about the NFL. but And this wasn't even necessarily the NFL, but I just thought it was an opportunity missed. Is that on Thursday night, it was the Rams versus the Bills. And on the, I believe it's NBC had the game. And afterwards, they're writing about that the Bills won and everything. But they go, Bills rip the Rams 31 to 10, I think, was the score, something like that. And I thought, what a missed opportunity to say, Bills, Buffalo, the Rams, 31 to 10. Yeah, whoever was writing headlines that day, were la- they were lazy. Below they were average. not looking for all of the spectacular things yeah. they could use the within... That, yeah, within the team's name. Yeah, well. And they get paid the big bucks. Yeah, and I'm just 
making it up as I go. That's it. I guess there's no money in making it up as you go. As we have, as we know for how many years now. <laughs> sure enough. But let's talk baseball. Oh, well, you mentioned rule changes, so let's jump in to rule right, changes. Now, I figured that you would probably have all the technical the technicalities of everything. So I would let you go through the technicalities <laughs> and I'll just bloviate about whatever else. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I usually do. Yeah. So, uh, the rule changes are happening for 2023. We've been, I guess, warned, prepared. <laughs> if we go, if you've gone to a minor league game, uh, the uh, bases are already bigger. And I didn't even realize that last year when I went that the bases were bigger. And then this year when I've gone to games, I'm like, oh, yeah, the bases are bigger, but they don't seem exaggerated. But uh, so you see that. And then the pitch clock is another one that you notice. But then in the course of the game, you forget about because the minor leaguers, they use it so well. Um, and then I think the biggest one is probably obviously the uh, shift, the, the, you know, dying but, uh, yeah, so everything was not unanimous. Um, the players on the committee, there were four that were part of the 11-person committee, they voted against the pitch clock and the infield shift rule because, um, in the words of the union, Major League Baseball was unwilling to meaningfully address the areas of concerns that players raised. So... They said, no, we're not doing that. And then they all agreed on the bigger bases. So yeah, the pitch I figured that really has been out of all the conversations I've heard. That's been the one that pretty much everybody just goes, oh, bigger bases. And they move on. Lots of jokes about it. We've seen them. Um, Jose Altuve standing in the middle of the base, like, you know, it's so much bigger than he <laughs> is. Um, and then uh, Rich Hill was uh, caught on video going out and had a big old like sofa cushion looking thing or some kind of a chair cushion that he put out. <laughs> yes. That was, you know, much bigger. And people have put out like uh, they, they put out those little tarps that just cover the um, the dirt areas uh, around the bases. And they had one of those. This is the base by the time Rob Manfred is no longer commissioner. Uh, yes. Where it takes up, you know, most of the field. Right. There's hardly any room for uh, for the players to the uh, defensive players to stand at that point anyway. So there's not going to really be any shift <laughs> as it yes. was then anyway. Exactly. And I think they should just make it if they become that big, they should just make it a slip and slide at that point. Right. That would be so much fun. Yeah, well, let's look at the pitch clock first. Uh, the pitch clock will be 30 seconds between hitters. The catcher must be in his box and ready with nine seconds left on the timer while the hitter has to have both feet in the box and be alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the clock starting 
pitchers can still step off the rubber, which would reset the clock to 20 seconds if there's a base runner and 15 seconds if there isn't. They're only permitted to do this twice per batter. According to Major League Baseball, the changes in the minors reduced the average game time by 26 minutes and coincided with an increase in stolen base attempts and stolen base success rates. And the stolen base numbers also may be related to the increased uh, size of bases, but we'll talk about that in a minute. This will be interesting because the pitch clock, how do pitchers who have never used a pitch clock, you know, veteran players, how will they react and how will the batters react? Because it's not just the pitchers, but it's also the batters that have to, you know, the hitters that have to have, you know, both feet in the batter's box and, you know, resetting the clock and all of that. So uh, Joe Barlow of the Rangers, who's a right-handed pitcher, he said he hates the pitch clock. And he said not because of time necessarily to speed up the game. I don't think there's anybody that really has an issue with that part of it. But he thinks the penalty to be a ball or strike. So if you violate that pitch clock, so he's, his scenario is imagine you're in the world series and you have a, uh, you know, full count and on ball four, you win the world series on ball four because the pitcher took too long. Right. Yeah. That, and, that, that makes sense. Little things like that. There's going to be, this is going to be the one rule I mean the shift the shift is is going to be I think an issue too depending on how it's called yeah and 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 we'll talk like you said we'll we'll address each one of these individually but this pitch clock thing the more you think about it first everybody's like yeah okay that makes sense it's it's cutting this much time off of a minor league game okay well minor league games typically aren't televised as most games are so. A lot of time, how much time between innings and things like that is dictated by how many how many uh, commercials we got to play in between. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that and, you know, how the, the regional sports networks, you know, have a stranglehold on things. Well, they, they're making their money by all the advertising they get off of it. So we're looking at, at um, you know, that's how much how much it's really going to slow things down. I mean, speed things up remains to be seen. And I have some numbers on that in a second, just that as I was thinking about it. But all these little things, it's um, disengagement. You can only step off the rubber twice. And, you know, what if you moved or you did something and an umpire said, oh, you disengaged. That's the third time. Balk. Or whatever right and and that's been that's a concern as well with all of these not so much the bigger bases but both of these is we have umpires who think that they're um bigger than the game right now uh, i'm talking about you angel hernandez but there's others who think that they're you know they're not just you know remember uh, the umpire is part of the field well now they're all trying to be superstars in their own right not all of them, but many of them. And how many of them are going to be making calls to that, you know, the on the slightest little thing? 
the batter wasn't engaged with the pitcher at eight seconds. I think that's what the the deal is there. The catcher wasn't uh, wasn't ready at you know at his time frame. The pitcher, uh, you know, and then like if you throw over a third time, if you don't pick them off, they get the next bag anyway. So where's the the, the, you know, I don't have to steal. I just got to convince you to throw over three times and then I get the bag anyway. Right. Yeah. I I don't, the pitch clock, like I said, I've seen it in the minors and you kind of forget about it, but I think it's because in the minor leagues, they've been using it. So it just becomes part of the game. And, but I haven't, I mean, to be honest, the last time when I was at a game, the game was still over three hours. So it wasn't like it was under, you know, and sometimes they're like, ooh, two hours and 55 minutes. You know, okay, well, the game I went to was three hours, four minutes. Is that that much of a difference? Um, The other thing uh, that Joe Barlow said is he thinks that they should just find the pitchers instead of making up a rule that he feels can genuinely affect the outcome of a game. Um, Caleb Ferguson, he has been, he's a Dodgers relief pitcher. Um, he's been, you know, with in rehab in Oklahoma City um, after Tommy John surgery. And he said he likes it, um, but he thinks that the problem is that it can dictate a game. And I think we've, and Joe Barlow's comments. So I think that's what I've been seeing throughout. Um, and also he says closers take a long time because those are the three hardest outs to get. You know, you want to close right. out the game. You want to be able to take your time. Now you can't. So. And, and I don't remember who I heard the other day said, you know, it takes, you know, 20, 20, 25 seconds isn't very long with a pitcher, especially if they're dealing with, uh, um, you know, even it, even a 30 seconds isn't a long time sometimes. Now, I don't know about that. I do know that the players say they like pitchers who work quickly because it does keep them involved in that. And that from that standpoint, if it keeps the ball moving and you're able to, um, you know, end of the potentially more offense because things are constantly going. You don't have time to stop and think. You don't have time. You just got to, you got to go out there with your plan ahead of time. Um, I don't, it, because everybody is so hell bent on, we got to reduce the game time. Everybody uses that as this is the worst thing about baseball. Well, I get it that sometimes with baseball, the, the link, the three hours isn't much more than any other professional sport, even with right. the timer. NFL games are nearly three hours as well with their breaks and all that stuff. And there's not always constant action. You know, the NBA, there's more action all the time. And it still takes a couple hours to play an NBA game. To me, it's like, why do I need to rush through this? If I wanted to see something I knew was going to be around two hours, I'll just go to the movies. And how much money does it cost to go to any of these things? So you want to basically, if it costs me $100 a ticket to go to a major league game for a decent seat, and over three hours, 
I'm it breaks down to you know just over thirty three dollars an hour. If it's only two hours, then I'm paying fifty dollars an hour to be there, and now I'm getting less time, less enjoyment. Who knows what I'm getting less of? And I don't know. I don't know that we need to have all these specific changes. We just need to figure out what was happening back in like the seventies and eighties with the with the time because that's the big thing the only reason that we're having a pitch clock is because we want to shorten games but like you said that your game wasn't shorter and if you get a lot more offense chances are it's not going to be shorter yeah i mean if you've got um one game in particular that we went to to see the isotopes i mean i think they batted around um so you know, then that's what fans want to see. They want to see the, you know, your team, um, the home team, get the runs and and batting around and constantly getting hits. You know, that's exciting. Um, and like I said, for me, watching the minor leagues, I think is different because they're the pitch clock's been there. It didn't seem to really affect the game that much, but I think it's because those players have been using it and so they're well versed in okay can't do this but there were also times where there was a delay of the game because the pitcher needed something happened with his mitt I mean his glove and um, they had to get another glove and that glove wasn't right and that probably took like I mean it didn't seem that long but it seemed like almost almost two minutes that that it was, you know, so you, that right. kind of stuff eats up. But I think, um, I think that there is prediction of the game. I hadn't really thought about that. Alex Vessia also mentioned that he said, you know, if you're three balls, two strikes, you don't know what pitch you want to throw. And then the clock times out. Well, that's ball four. And, you're predicting the game, but also the other thing I've seen, I saw last night with the Angels, they had problems with their pitch com. And right. so it's like, we got to stop. We got to fix this. And there's all that stuff. So I, the pitch clock stops, I think. But um, I don't know. I don't know how this will work for the majors. It's, I think it may be in the minors and the developmental leagues, having a pitch clock, helping those pitchers you know, where they're working, you know, they have like that, where they're not Pedro Baez and taking 30 seconds between pitches or however long it was that he did. But I don't know that we ne- we need it in the majors. No, and honestly, the one thing that, that you said there was, fans want the offense. And if you have the offense, it doesn't matter if the game is three hours long or three and a half hours long, as long as things are happening. The problem is the downtime, and the downtime a lot of times can go back to how the game is is structured if it's on, you know, with the the TV rights and all that. Sometimes things are elongated that way. We can't start the inning because we're not back out of the TV timeout yet. Well, there used to be a time where the TV channels could show as many commercials as they wanted, and they'd come back in. The game was already in progress. They didn't wait for it. Now they wait for those things. But what I looked at was this season, average game time 
three hours and seven minutes. Right now, that's down four minutes overall from the average game time last year. But I, I went back in time and I started looking because I kept thinking it never felt like games were three hours long unless they went to Zinnings or, you know, something happened or a high-scoring game. But I look back at, at, like, my prime viewing years of baseball when it was on, or even listening on the radio, were from the early 70s uh, through probably the early 80s before I, you know, graduated high school and, and went off and did stuff. And then I picked it up again. But in uh, just to say 1976, 75 and 76, the years of the Big Red Machine, and the Cincinnati Reds, and the Yankees, and Boston, and all that stuff. Those were the big things that happened that year. Actually, three years in a row, 74, 75, 76, average game time, two hours and 29 minutes. That means there were some longer ones, but there were some shorter ones. Um, and really, when you look through it, the game set right around two and a half hours for years. Um, it's like if two and a half hours from about 1952 on, um, there's, uh, it's not until you get into the eighties, uh, to the late eighties, uh, early nineties that you start seeing it creep up to 45 to 50. Um, and then, uh, it breaks average time breaks three hours in 2000. I, I am, I'm not think I'm thinking that there's the game then didn't have all these nifty little rules we didn't have bigger bases we didn't have shift rules there wasn't really a shift it wasn't that people didn't adjust but there was no shift like it is now analytics has has done that i'm sure if they'd have felt like they could make that happen they would have done it back in the day but pit but batters back then seemed to have well they definitely had a different mentality um, you had hitters that could hit anywhere on the field but they also didn't fit, pit, you know, face uh, two to four pitchers a night that all threw over 100 miles per hour and and like that. So the game has changed. And so I get some of these um, some of these rule changes may be needed. But how you know how what did, were they doing then? And now that we've changed so drastically to the point that we have to have a pitch clock mm -hmm. to make the pitchers move faster. Have a, uh, you know, now we, we ban the shift. Might as well just talk about that one now, too. Um, to, to, and means what? The, the, I don't know how it reads out technically, but I know essentially two, two players on the, on the dirt on either side of second base. Yeah. So upon release of each pitch, there must be a minimum of four defenders other than the battery with both feet within the outer boundary of the infield dirt. There must be two of the four infielders on each side of second base, and the team must designate two infielders for each side of second base, and they can't switch. Right, so no more having your third baseman playing. No more Manny Machado making a, a, an out in deep right field because he exactly. was shallow right. Right, that can't happen. So a team can't have, like you just mentioned, Manny Machado, because I think he would consider himself, and I think he probably is stud defender, uh, move <laughs> back and forth based upon, you know, the hitter, you know. And Terry Francona said that he worries about shifting 
the shift um, and the unintended consequences. Because he says, are you rewarding guys that just pull the ball instead of trying to get back to using the whole field? And he said he keeps hearing people say, well, guys are tired of hitting into the shift. And so Terry Francona said, then hit the ball the other way. There are other solutions than to just lift and separate. Um, well, and- I, I, that's not the easy answer is hit the ball the other way. Right. Uh, Rick Monday, the uh, the other night on, uh, I don't remember which, which game it was, but anyway, during the Dodger game, uh, right after those rules came out, he said, why should my team be penalized for having done the work to know how to play you to shut you down? Because my job isn't to let you hit. My job is to stop you from scoring runs. Right. That's what I want. I want my team to win, um, which was kind of surprising. I didn't expect him to go there. On that one side, it's like, though, that's where we go back to analytics. The, but the other the other um, argument that I've heard is, OK, how easy is it to go the other way hitting against a guy that's throwing 100? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's harder are- to at that point, you're swinging at whatever you can get a hold of. And if you happen to go out of the way, that's an oops uh, happy mistake, but, and I'm thinking, well, the guys that are throwing a hundred normally consistently throwing 100 are typically relievers. They're only good for three or four batters at most, um, because they, they, they gas themselves out, but with the technology they have with pitching machines and all that, they can replicate almost any pitch with the new pitch machines, get them in the cages and start having them face a hundred mile hour slider and teach them how to hit it the other way. Yeah. You want the game to be faster paced. Every part of the game has to pick up. It can't just be 20 seconds for the pitcher to make a, a, you know, to throw the ball. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When it comes to the shift, you know, I think Rick Monday is right. When he says, you know, it's not, my job to make sure or the team's job to make sure that he the hitter gets a hit the batter gets a hit we all see on every game where the infielders outfielders they all have their little cards they're constantly shifting you saw Mookie Betts you know he oh this guy's up to bat all right well I gotta go three paces this way you know or I gotta shift in the so there's always con- it's just I think the some teams there's like the exaggerated shift, you know, where there's nobody on the left hand side of the field, everybody's on the right. But it does take work, you know, you gotta that's every player that they're gonna that they could possibly be up against, not just a lineup, but pinch hitters. Um, minor league hitter, you know, whoever, you know, call-ups, whatever. So I just think it's another way for Manfred to continue his, you know. March against baseball? Yeah, yeah, march against baseball. That's a good way to put it. The ruin. The ruins, yes. Um, I I think that, you know, compared to some some rules – you know, some of it is is fine. Like I said, the bigger bases, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know that that's going to make any difference. The bigger will be the um, the play the pitcher disengaging from the mound and only being able to throw over twice. The batters can only ask for time twice. So it's not just the pitchers, but the pitchers have a bigger burden with this. 
Mm-hmm. I think that in the catchers too, because I think you're going to have to have the catcher, you know, is the commander. It's like with the pitcher and he's telling the pitcher, okay, you know, he's keeping everybody on track is how I always have seen the, the catcher. If you're a good catcher and they have to be in the box, but they, I think also the burden is on the pitcher, but also on the catcher because the catcher is the battery mate with the pitcher and they're going to have to take care of each other. For the, for the minor leaguers coming up, it's going to be a lot easier than for the veterans who haven't had to deal with any of this. So there's going to be, next year's going to be interesting how it plays out. Obviously, a lot of that is going to be how does, uh, you know, how do you get all that drilled in during spring training? And then once we see it, we're going to see a lot of calls. And I, I swear we're going to see an umpire call somebody for being a little too far over or the the back part of your shoe was on the grass, even though it was just a, not even a full hair, you know, slight little tiny hair right there. He, he made contact with the grass to, and co- make a call. So that way they can get the air time. You know, if you want yeah. that much air time, go be an NFL referee where after every play you can go out and go and call what the penalty is. That's not what this game's about. You're supposed to be there just because you, we're not calling our own fouls like you do when you play, you know, uh, street lot uh, basketball, you know, or playground basketball. We're not calling our own fouls here, you know. You're not calling the, the catcher in a sandlight game. We'll call the balls and strikes. And everybody just goes with it, whether they like it or not. But there's an honor system there. They're there because these guys are now getting paid for it and the stakes are higher. It's easier to be compelled to cheat. So now they get a bigger base. Will that mean more steals or not? Who knows? I thought it was funny with the bigger base is that one of the reasons for the change is because players' feet are much bigger. Oh, right. Than so, they were when the bases were designed. So now, I will say, just as you said that, flashing back, I remember a few seasons ago when Andrelton Simmons rolled his ankle on first base by stretching out to get it. And when he hit it, he rolled off. So maybe if he'd had a little bigger base, he'd hit the bag and it might roll a little bit, but not like it did before because he hit the edge and then went over the edge. Maybe it'll be more steady. I don't know. I know that's supposed to stop the injuries of the players like coming in contact with each other. The first baseman can leave his foot on the bag and um, a little longer if need be without worrying about that the that the runner might, you know, hit him. But once again, how, how long have these bags been this big? Yeah. <laughs> Forever? I don't know. A long time. Apparently, for, uh it's only because players' feet are bigger than they were when these bags were <laughs> this designed, except for Jose Altuve, who can take a blanket and a pillow. Um, well, he to... could be out there and don't <laughs> even realize he's on base. <laughs> no. Uh, now, Major League Baseball did say that the increased base size in the minors has coincided with a decrease in base-related injuries by 13.5%. Um the other thing I was thinking of with the larger bases, and we've talked about it quite a bit, is the pop-up slide. And 
sometimes it's very obvious that they pop, you know, they did the pop-up slide and then they're not on the base, but with the bigger bag, that shouldn't be that much of an issue anymore. And those replays that we have to set and like, is it definitive? Because how many times is, you know, we've heard that, well, that's not definitive. And if it's not definitive, then they're not going to overturn the call um, to see if the player, you know, barely came off, you know, if it was like real quick and he got back on the bag. Um, but it was like a split second. Um, so that kind of stuff, I guess we'll have to watch and see. But the bigger one, I think, is going to be the pitch clock and how that affects the game. And um, what will the fans, how will the fans react um, in next season? Will there be well, a mutiny? I think it, it's all going to be how, how do the games go. Did these changes create more offense? Did they speed up the game? Because apparently that's all anybody wants to do. I want to get in. And I want to get out. There's a little saying around our house is, let's go so we can come back. <laughs> and, you know, most of the time that makes sense. Let's go yeah. get this done because we're just coming home. It's not like we're going out. But if I'm going to the, if I'm going out for some sort of entertainment, why is it that I have a time frame on it? If I have a time frame on, the, on me going out somewhere, oh, I can squeeze this movie in between 2 and 4.30. Well, maybe I just shouldn't go. Yeah. Maybe I should do well, it when I don't feel the stress of that. I'm going to for an escape. I go to the game because I love the game of baseball. If it takes five hours to play the game, I'm going to sit there for five hours. I don't care. Yeah, I know exactly. that's just me. And I know the bigger problem is, is that viewership is down on everything. How much of that is other things that we've talked about in the past without getting into that. But and and but there's still millions of people still going to ball games you know if you and 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 the prices keep going up but people are still going make it easier to go to a game continue to promote the game out let iowa watch more games you know how many kids in iowa play football now because that's all they can see because baseball's been like that those are the things though to grow the game not we have to make it faster because nobody wants to watch a three-hour game that's not true people never said i don't want to watch three hours of baseball they just said i want to see more action but you tell me that if you have two players who are throwing a no hitter each side throwing against each other major pitchers duel people will not be in just as engaged in that there will be people that aren't because they just want to see people hit and run and do that they want to see that action the action is there We've got to incentivize that instead of home runs and, um, you know, all the power. we got to overpower them with our pitchers. And for instance, the greatest pitchers, you know, like Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox was, he controlled the game. He didn't just come out and overpower people. And I think some of those things, stronger, faster, better bionic players here, are having a bigger effect on the length of time and on the lack of offense, the idea that I always have to hit it over their head and try instead of trying to hit it through a gap, line drive baseball, uh, you know, if you see the teams that are doing well end up having games where maybe they do hit a few home runs, but a lot of them are hitting singles and doubles 
and and working in a way, working the the um, you know, working the game that way, and that's how they end up winning. The Dodgers are not just a home run hitting team; they can do it. They can go on a tear, but so yeah, like you said, we'll uh, we'll see some changes. Now, thinking of home, speaking of home runs. I got to do it now. I can't wait till around baseball. I'm sorry. It's like Christmas morning, and you just can't wait to go open your gifts. The greatest thing has finally happened. Albert Pujols is alone at number four. What a resurgence at the end of uh, this season. He's finishing up his career. He's going out on a high note, possibly hitting 700 home runs. He only needs three more at the time of recording. So that will be, you know, but he's past a fraud. And that is the biggest thing that we wanted to see. I mean, obviously we want him to have as many home runs as he can get, but to pass a fraud is, you know, every your birthday, Christmas, uh, graduation, whatever happy occasions Arbor in your Day. life. Yeah. Arbor day, whatever wrapped into one and the thing is 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 it's not the best thing about this that i love is you know he's hitting a lot of you know home runs on the road and everybody all baseball fans are engaged in we don't care you know sure he hit a home run maybe and some of and a lot of these home runs have been game winning you know, maybe tied the game or a game winning home run. And um, nobody cares because he's in this pursuit. Right. You're going to see history, especially when he when he hits. I think he's going to hit 700. Yeah, me you know, too. If all of a sudden he could go on some kind of an unreal tear, he's 17 away from Babe. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get there. But where he gets, it's going to be fun watching that the rest of the season. Plus... It helps uh, the Cardinals are in uh, the pennant race, and they're trying to stretch out their uh, their lead on uh, on Mike. I mean Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk more about what's going on with the pennant race when we get to around baseball. Uh, but yeah, ding dong, a fraud's gone. Okay, he just dropped the number five, but Albert has done the one thing that I've been talking about for like the last season. I started banging that drum. He's over 600. Now we just got to get him past uh, a fraud and all is well. And he's there. Silver linings for angels, baseball team. Silver lining, they're not as bad as they seem, or something like that. I don't know. I uh, got uh, <clears throat> the Angels have had a couple of a uh, couple of good weeks lately. We'll talk about all that right now, though. We want to talk about our silver linings giveaway. Uh, a little earlier this season, we gave away a T-shirt, uh, the SRBB T-shirt, and uh, and a at the game day chic partnered up with us and gave us a great uh, gift card for a grand prize winner. Uh, so we did that this time around. We're doing something that maybe appeals to uh, you know more folks. 
and uh, maybe even some kids. If uh, if you get kids out there that you're letting listen to this uh, podcast, the nonsense that happens here. Um, remember, kids, baseball is fun. Better yet, remember, adults, baseball is fun. Uh, anyway, we've got a, uh, a a Shohei. What is it exactly? So it's a Pop Funko, which is what you say, <laughs> Pop. Funko, uh, their little, uh, I don't know, their little figurines. You say figurines, like action, action figure. figure. Yeah, they're little figures, and they're pop culture. So lots of them, you know, you see them for movies, um, like, uh, you know, different movies. Like rock groups have them, and we have one that is Shohei Otani. And it is officially licensed by MLB. We have it to give away on our Instagram page at Sibling Rivalry BB. And it's really simple. You have to follow us on Instagram at Sibling Rivalry BB, like and save the post, and listen. This is the big part listen to episode 23 which is entitled Rubber Match, and to find out who we picked as our Silver Linings winning, uh, uh, Silver Linings Award winners. And then you just direct message us at Sibling Rivalry BB right there on Instagram. So we know that you got the right answer. And then you're put in for the drawing of this um Really cool Shohei Otani Pop Funko. I, I think I know all the answers, and I already like the post. I just got to do the other things. Can I win it? <laughs> no, it's got to be oh. <laughs> somebody who doesn't, uh, is not involved in the production, writing, <laughs> directing <laughs> of this podcast. Or, or the families. families thereof. Yeah, or the families thereof. Um, so Bono, my 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 pup can't uh, can't win either. No, okay. no, not this time. But you know, doing something a little bit different. Um, but one winner is going to be chosen by random. We will notify you via direct message. Um, our giveaway is open until the 18th. We might we might push that out a little bit. But uh, maybe a day or two to give some of you a little extra time. But that's it. It's like, like us, you know, follow us on Instagram, like the post, save the post, and listen to a fun episode of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast to get that answer. So you got to do a little work, but it'll be worth your time because it's a yeah, really cool. Yeah, you get that uh, Otani Pop Funko uh figure yeah which is really cool i like the way he's got him hitting it's pretty cool you you'll have the uh major league leader in strikeouts per nine yeah with and that uh, otani figure that's right and the only player ever in the american league or the national league to hit 30 home runs and uh win 10 or more games in a season. The only yeah. one ever. Not we since are, 18, 
76 ever. And we're ever, giving yeah, not this since, away. Since Aristotle and Plato were playing baseball back in the philosophical days, um, did this ever happen? Not even then. It's never happened. We're talking about Albert Pujols and watching that history every time Shohei's on the field. History could be made as far as what happens with the two-way player. And we'll talk about another guy who started out as a two-way player as we talk about the Angels uh, playing this uh, this last couple of series. Uh, so the Angels uh, head off to, I mean, I'm sorry, the Angels welcome Detroit into the Big A before they headed out to Houston, uh, which... Lucky for them, that was the last time uh, when they head out to Houston. That's the last time they had to face Houston for this season. It, if it felt like we were constantly playing the asterisks, it's because, well, we were, but we don't have to anymore. So let's uh, let's take a look at what happened with, uh, with the Angels and in game one versus the Tigers. Actually, pretty big game. They got blown out the day before by the asterisks. After a pretty decent series overall, with the exception of that last game, the rubber match, the rubber game of that series. So they take on uh, the Tigers uh, minus Miggy Cabrera, who's out with uh, an injury. Um, and it didn't really matter. They uh, they beat him 10 to nothing. Jose Suarez on the mound for seven innings, gave up uh, just three hits. And of course, no run struck out seven. Mike Trout. With the beginnings of uh, a pretty incredible streak, which we'll get to in a minute. Three for four, an RBI, and a home run. Shohei contributing in with three RBIs, going three for five. Uh, Ringifo, Rin, or Geef, like I said, I kind of like that, Geef. Uh, four for five and an RBI. And um, Matt Dice quietly coming on and proving to be pretty... Um, a pretty good guy to be there and talk about utility players. And we do, we talk about them with like the Dodgers, especially uh, CT three always comes to mind, but um, talk about utility players in this game. He played both first base and third base. And we'll talk about uh, what else he can do as we move forward. Probably the biggest thing that happened other than the angels um, scoring 10 runs and blanking Detroit, holding them just to four hits, uh, two doubles, um, out of those is that um, a future denied Hall of Famer son got his first strikeout and he's not even a pitcher. So Roger Clemens is who we're talking about. Roger Clemens, who wasn't elected in his 10 years on the ballot. I kind of feel like he's going to get in through one of the veterans committees. Yeah, I think so too. But his son, Cody Clemens, who's not a pitcher, he's an outfielder or a utility-type player, he plays first base, plays outfield, called on to pitch late in this game in a blowout, and he picks up his first strikeout. And who did he strike out? Shohei Otani. And he was so excited. Not just, I don't think for, I think part of it, a little part of it was a strikeout. I think it was who he struck out. Oh, yeah. That I was mean, if the you main struck part. out him, you know, or uh, Trout. Those are the guys you want to strike out. If you you strike out, you know, Matt Duffy or you know, Andrew Velasquez. Oh well, 
Who cares? Yeah. Look at those guys. They kept the ball. He asked for the ball, which um, was verified, you know, everything that they're supposed to do, that this was a strikeout. This was the ball that you was used to, to uh, strike out um, Otani. Otani signed the ball and put a little inscription. That was a nasty pitch. <laughs> so he walks away with a uh, great souvenir of his first, and who knows, it could be his only strikeout. And, right. You know, depending on, and then again, Detroit might go, hey, we need to be developing this guy. He could strike <laughs> out, you know, one of the best players in baseball. Um, got lots of questions. When we come to Shohei, we'll go on with the games, but lots of questions now as we're getting closer to the season about MVP talk, about him and Aaron Judge, who should get it. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if we're not going to have the same conversation we had last year when we're talking about Vladdy Jr. and Shohei and what he's done. So we go to game two, a Zinnings matchup. Um, they take it into the 10th. The Angels scored in the first and the second. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Detroit scored a little bit later, and they moved it on to get to the 10th inning. Uh, in Zinnings, the Angels are able to score two more and take the game 5-4. to four. Mike Trout uh, joined Mike Ford and Joe Adele with home runs. Taylor Ward, two for four. Mike Myers got the start, went uh, five and two-thirds, four hits, two runs, only struck out three. Uh, big game for um, for Javi Baez for Detroit. Not hearing his name very much. Yeah, um, you almost kind of forget that he even plays. <laughs> like I saw a commercial they have, um, if you watch MLB TV um, on the app, they have these things called Baseball Zen. And it's just different players that are playing and think, you know, hitting a home run or, you know, something. And it's just kind of the sounds of the crowd. It's kind of a cool thing. But they do with one with Francisco Lindor, but it was when he Baez was with the Mets. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that he even played with the Mets. And where is he now? You know, we need like a VH1. Where is he <laughs> now? Because you forget he is very quiet in Detroit. Yeah, it's just uh, well, and I think some of it has to do is Detroit has just not been, you know, a great team. You don't really think about them too much because they're just quietly going on about playing out the string here. Yeah, and it feels like they've been doing that most of the season, playing out the string almost from game one sixty. Uh, you know, from game number two. They've been yes. playing out the string. Uh, and then uh, we heads over to game three. Uh, Sandoval are the Angels, as far as I'm concerned. I know Shohei gets the nod as the ace. But uh, I don't know, the 1A. Their 1A pitcher, Patrick Sandoval, five innings, six hits, only gives up one run. He can uh, blame Jaime Barilla and Jose Quijada, who both had blown saves in this game. Uh, for the reversal of fortune as Detroit wins five to four. But Mike Trout had a home run. As did Shohei Otani and yeah. Matt Dice. His name pops up again. And uh, I think he's finally getting where it's like, hey, I, you know, I need to just go out and play. I can't worry about the rest of it. If I'm in the minors, I'm in the minors. If I'm here, I'm here. I just need to play. And if I play well, who knows? What's going to happen? 
Uh, and he, he he just seems it's not that he's ever been an arrogant guy. He's never been like Joe Adele came up like he was kind of cocky that, you know, and sure, you want some swagger, but he wasn't doing anything to um, to have the swagger. He wasn't backing it up. Uh, Matt Dice has never really been that guy. No, but he's just been somebody that we're going to throw in there. Hopefully something happens. Oh, it didn't. We'll just send him back down. He's not, you know. Wait, okay, that's fine. The potential's there, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, in this this particular series, he uh, he steps up, plays pretty well. Uh, so they uh, they pack their things and they head to Texas. And they, uh, they get to Houston to take on the Asterix. Um, and I was a little worried about this when it came to Mike Trout, because Trout's been on... Um, He's he's not been on a tear per se, but he has definitely been making up for lost time. He missed a lot of the season, and yet he's challenging for uh, the team lead with uh, Shohei, and he's even up in uh, you know in the top ten in home runs in um, MLB, not just the American League, but in MLB. Yeah, um, and he doesn't hit well in Houston. We talked about it earlier in the season where it just seems like he doesn't see the ball very well. It's the opposite of being in Seattle. We'll see. Did that change this time? Uh, and we're talking about former two-way players. Michael Lorenzen back off of the IL, making his first start. Did you know that he is the last player when he was with Cincinnati to pitch it was like a little league game for him. He pitched, he played the outfield, and got on base. Oh wow! I did not know that. I, nor did I until that <laughs> happened. Uh, wow! So Michael Lorenzen, um, who's like, but he said something that we've mentioned before, that maybe what makes Shohei so good is, is he doesn't have time to think about hitting or pitching when he's pitching. He's focusing on that. He doesn't hit as well when he in games he pitches. He does sometimes. He's had a home run in a game. He's had some hits. But he gets in. He's just got to automatically get into batter mode and go hit. Michael Lorenzo said when he was a, more of a two-way player, he didn't have time to think about things. And I thought, that's exactly what we were thinking. That was our theory. We didn't know that, obviously, if true. And now, thanks to Michael Lorenzo. He has maybe given a little credence to our Clearwater revival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he uh, he goes five and two thirds, gives up three hits, one run. Uh, he does walk four, only strikes out two, but that's a pretty decent outing coming back. His first outing out, uh, thanks to uh, Taylor Ward and Mike Trout, both with home runs. Let's see, if you're counting at home, that's four home runs in four games for Mike Trout at that point. Uh, Mickey Moniak back as well uh, off of uh, off of the IL. Uh, they had to face uh, Lance McCullers Jr., who they had a hard time with in Anaheim. Uh, they, they have a hard time with him anytime. He goes seven. McCullers was supported by uh, Jeremy Pena and uh, Chaz McCormick offensively in that game takes us to game number two so they 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 take the l in game one game number two Shohei on the mound 
And honestly, he gives up one run, but I don't think that that was his fault. Obviously, it's charged to him. But I'll tell you what happened. Ball uh, single, and I don't remember who was up to bat, but is hit towards the shortstop area. Of course, they were playing off a little bit. Squid makes a run for it, can't get to it, so he thinks, stops, because it's just going to go through, and then realizes, wait, I may still have a chance, and dives after it, almost gets it. So had he not stopped his pursuit, he would have gotten that ball. Nobody would have gotten on at that point. And it wouldn't have led to, because there was a couple of errors in there. Uh, and, I, you know, Shohei gives up the run, but it was more defensive problems that led to that run than Shohei not pitching well. Because he goes five innings, gave up six hits, struck out seven. The, um, he, was, he went out in the top of the six to start warming up, threw a couple pitches and went, wait, something's up. And then said, wait, one second, threw one more, and then he goes, no, I'm done. Yeah. And, uh, he had Rich Hill disease. Right. You saw him out there blowing on his finger. And it was like, at first it was like, what happened? And then later um, you, you come back and you see him blowing his finger. You're like, oh, it must be a blister or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe some kind of a skin issue. But uh, he does he does well. They take on Jose Urquidy, who is another one of those uh, – well, the one thing that I've I've really learned about Houston that really makes them a great team and a tough team to face is you have solid starting pitching overall, especially when Verlander comes back. But even without him, they have some pretty started solid starting pitchers, but they have a better bullpen. And the starters can go five, six innings, and then the bullpen will come in, and one after another, for the most part, they'll shut you down. You know, I mean, they're not immune to a bad outing, but... They're, they've got one of the better bullpens. They've done a good job constructing this team, uh, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, in that game, uh, Trout, two for four, three RBIs, and a... Home run! Taylor Ward, three for four. Mike Ford went two for four. Squid, two for four. Uh, and uh, an un given error that was the one thing it was a lot of uh, what you would call i guess unforced errors it wasn't like it was just poor play sloppy play on the angels but they still come out with a win six to one in that one so they don't and shohei otani had a 101.4 mile per hour fastball it was the fastest strikeout pitch by an angels pitcher in the pitching tracking era so ever is the fastest pitch by an angels pitcher fastest strikeout pitch by an angels pitcher ever so there's another thing i doubt it ever but no <laughs> well that's no since the because, tracking because they had here's the thing if you watch, there's a there is a thing. I think I don't know if it's on Netflix. I believe it's on Netflix, and I think it's called Fastball. And I'll look it up. But they talk about pitching, and they talk about fastballs, and the fastest pitches ever. They talk about Araldis Chapman. They talk about that. But they come to a conclusion because as the as time has gone, where the measurements are taken from are more accurate now than they were before. That Nolan Ryan 
very possibly could have thrown a pitch at approximately 109 miles an hour based off of where if you took, you know, just all the scientific extrapolations. <laughs> oh, no, I no doubt. I, and I think that he's probably blew somebody away, but because it wasn't tracked the same way, but that's pretty incredible. And Shohei was excited about that pitch and he came off the mound, you know, fist, you know, uh, pumping and, yeah, and the whole thing. He was, uh, he was fired up. So they, they looked really good there. Overall, what are you going to do? You're playing the best team in the American league and you know, they're bound to go off the next game. It was almost like the last time they lost the first one, won the second one, got yeah. blown out in the third one. Exactly. And the first two games were actually in, uh, they held in their wins, they held the asterisks to one run each of those games. Uh, but this last one, almost like I said, almost Carver Carver, the last time they, they lost like 9-1, to one, this time 12-4. to four. So almost the same score, really, if you look at it, about the same. Um, what is that? Eight runs. They lost by eight runs in the third game of the last series and this series, twelve to four. And I, I wasn't surprised. Um, Tucker Davidson was pitching. Oh, Tucker! What are you going to do with Tucker? He wasn't a very good pickup at all. He only goes two innings in the game. Right. Lost that. Uh, you know, as they say, we lost that trade. And uh, then a really great. You know, oh, who are we going to bring in after? Oh, let's bring in Mike Myers because, you know, he's going to shut it down. No. No. And Mike Myers. So Tucker gives up four runs. Mike Myers gives up five runs. But really, it was eight runs because he inherited three runners and all the three runners scored. And then uh, Jose Marte doesn't help either. Gives up two home runs, which came out to be three total runs. And uh, Mike Trout's off, so he can't uh, he can't homer in this game. Moniac, uh two for five with an RBI, a triple, and a double. Uh, Shohei two for four with a home run and two RBIs. Squid hit a home run. But here's where I want to talk about Matt Dice again. Matt Dice, um, actually, before I do that. Just a real quick rundown, too, just so you understand how it is that they got to 12 runs and why they took advantage, how they took advantage of uh, Tucker, Myers, and Marte. Um, Dubon, Dubon, Bregman, Mancini, Alvarez, and Tucker, all with home runs. Yeah, that doesn't help. Tucker, Altuve, and Gurriel all had multi-hit game. Uh, Luis Garcia... Uh, gave up eight hits, but limited them to three total runs in his uh, TikTok dancing um, outing. So early in the game, Jose Altuve, base hit, essentially. Well, not really base hit, ground ball. The ball is overthrown as he gets to first base. And the first base coach turns, sees where the ball is, and sends him. What the first base coach must not have seen was, and I don't know, a lot of people, you don't see it very often anymore, but do you know what the catcher's position is on a ground ball like that with nobody at third or nobody in scoring position? Mm. Used to see it all the time in the old, you know, in older games. Yeah. No, I don't know off the top of my head. He's backing up first base. 
So oh, the yeah. catcher okay. leaves right, right. home to run down to first base to back him up. Matt Dice got down the line and was back behind, was able to field the ball, throw out Altuve at second base. I haven't seen a catcher get down the line like that in ages. You'll still see some of them go down. Not Actually, I haven't really seen any of them go down in a long time. But when you did see them, they'd get down a little ways. But most catchers just aren't. Matt Dice is in better shape. He's a younger guy. But you don't even see him go down there. But when they can and they can back it up, they can make a play or at least hold the runner to first base. Uh, because of Matt Dice's high hustle, he made it uh, and was able to get uh, Altuve out at second base. So that was a great play. All right. As of um, as of recording, I, I just gotta I just gotta share this. The Angels, who we know, uh, you know, the Angels move on to play Cleveland. They go to see the Guardians in Cleveland, and then uh, and then they go to um, or then they come home to take on Seattle. And so some of those the the by the time you hear this, the games in Cleveland have been played. But as of recording, one have one has been played, and Mike Trout has a seven-game home run streak going. If he hits one more, he ties the all-time record for home runs in games in a row. So another historical moment connected with the Angels uh, between him and Otani. And at this point, he um, at when going into the game after the weekend, he was tied. With Otani at 35 home runs and fifth in Major League Baseball, he's now one ahead. And who knows if he would have gotten a home run uh, off of um, uh, in that last game in Houston, or if having the day off, you know, worked to his favor. But he is still on a pretty unreal streak. It's very Trout-like. Very Trout. It's Trout here. Seven games in a row to. Uh, to uh, quote Terry Smith, the Angels play-by-play radio announcer. So let's take a look at this week's Silver Linings Award. Who you got? So I probably went with the easy choice, but how could you not make Mike Trout the Silver Linings Award winner again? I mean, he wasn't last week for me, but uh, he has been. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten the silver linings. He's gotten the player of the week. Yeah, player of the week, but not the silver linings. Not, this, so. is a, this is a whole new era. Yes. That will stay in place until they're, uh, until they're winning. <laughs> winning! Yeah, so I just went, I went with him. I mean... No, that's not a bad... Crazy, I mean, home runs. And then he was hitting doubles. He was, you know... Runs batted in. He had like eight. I mean, yeah. So, and I love to see it because injured last year. Then again, this year, as you mentioned, he missed quite a bit of the year. And we want to see the Mike Trout that we know is there. Right. Inside. You know, there was a, there was a thing in, um, I believe it was the first game of the Houston series um, and there was a, a fly ball. It was hit just in that spot where the shortstop could still kind of get out to it, but had a little bit of a run. So Squid's on his way back. It's in left center. Trout's finding his way in. Moniac is coming over. 
And at the last second, it seemed like somebody else called the ball and then it dropped. And Trout kind of looked at him and said, what, what happened? It was, it should have been probably Moniac's ball, but you know, they, nobody, there was no communication. So Trout had a little word. He went on a couple innings later, similar uh, play happens uh, with between Moniac and Trout and Trout just, just, made it be known this is mine uh, he wasn't about to he gave them the opportunity to call the ball and to take the play and they didn't do it and he just said tech with that he took over and was the veteran that uh he's supposed to be i am the uh, captain now i am the captain now um my this week my silver linings award goes to any guesses uh matt Thice. exactly <laughs> uh he played three positions over the five games that he played, he played first base, third base, and he caught. That going down the line thing was like, just was incredible. That happened in the bottom of the first. But on top of that, he batted 417 over the two series, had a home run, two RBIs, two walks, two runs, and he just overall had a good week. He looked solid, and he, you know, to use my word, he contributed uh, greatly to the overall cause. So he was definitely a silver lining for the Angels. It's time for Dodger baseball. Going into this week, the Dodgers were really close. As we talked about last week, we introduced the magic number. And really all they had to do was beat the Giants one game to eliminate the Giants from NL West contention. Mathematically, they're still in it for the wild card, but they, were, they weren't going to be able to win the NL West. So that was like, hey, that's an easy task. Giants aren't, uh, aren't that good of a team these days. And then you also were hoping that the Padres uh, would lose, so that would cut down their overall magic number as well, so they could win. That helps. The Dregs lose. That adds an extra game. So you had that going on. Plus, then you're going to meet up with the Dregs at the end of this week. So let's get right to it. Logan Webb, uh, always a problem for the Dodgers, uh, facing off with Andrew Haney in game one of this series with the hated rival, the Giants. So were they celebrating the demise of the Giants at the end of this game? They were not. Um, I will say one thing about Andrew Haney. Um, he pitched a five and third innings, gave up six runs, four home runs, four home runs. And yeah. repeat that. Two of those yeah. to Lewis Brinson. Who, uh, I guess, before coming into the game, had like one home run coming into the game and then hit two in this game in this series with the giants, uh, LA and San Francisco combined for 16 home runs in the series. A lot of that has to do with the triple digit temperatures that, uh, you all were dealing with in, uh, LA and that does make the ball fly at uh, Dodger stadium. But I will say also with Andrew Haney, um, 
he must really love the Jumbo Jacks. Now, he got eight strikeouts, and then to follow Ferguson, Blake Trinan, and then Justin Brule all got one strikeout each, so Jumbo Jacks. So it almost seems like every time Andrew um, Haney pitches, everyone gets Jumbo Jacks. And I don't know if that's like his goal, like when he goes to the mound, and he's like, I got to get the Jumbo Jacks. That's a good goal to have, though, because then you still get, you get like, 10 or close to 10 strikeouts. Right. So, so, I mean, that's a good motivator. And then everybody will love me because they got a jumbo jack. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if that's the route he's gone, I think stick with it. You need to stay with it. Yeah. Um, let that get away from you. But yeah, in this game, it was really about all the home runs. And like I said, Andrew Haney gave up four and, you know, the giants, they have nothing to lose. They go out and they have fun, and that's what they were doing in this game um, and really kind of the series, uh, playing the Dodgers, you know, as the Giants do. Um, Now, in this game, Freddie Freeman had a home run and Cuz had a home run, Austin Barnes. um, And Max Mutzi was one for four in this game. He loves the Giants, loves playing against the Giants. So, um, but Freddie Freeman two for four in the game, like I said, with the two RBIs and then uh, Austin Barnes, two for three with an RBI and a home run. They were the, they were the ones that kind of that stuck out in this game. And then we head to um, the next game. And of course it's always the sky's falling. They've lost to the giants. What is happening but they turn it around in this game. Tyler Anderson's on the mound. He goes uh, seven innings, gives up eight hits, but only three runs, three strikeouts, does give up two home runs. But again, like I said, there were 16 home runs combined between the two teams. Um, but Chris Martin looked really good, had two strikeouts. And then Craig Kimbrell, still letting it go, um, comes in and uh, not a safe situation, but looks really good. And uh, gets everybody, you know, out. Max Muncy, though, that's the guy we need to talk about in this game. He was three for four, three RBIs, two home runs. He is the giant killer. Uh, Joey Gallo had a home run in there, um, three RBIs. But it was all about Max and Tyler Anderson, I think, uh, you know, looking good on the mound. So, so the Dodgers um, win this game six to three. Uh, and in that one, Lewis Brinson once again. <laughs> yes. His yard. He of no home runs. Brandon Crawford joined him there. I also want to mention real quick from the first game, uh, mm-hmm. former Dodger Scott Alexander got some time on the hill versus yes. his old. It was a little uh, weird to see him in the orange and black, but yeah. It's kind of like seeing Jock in the right. orange and black. Yeah. Uh, I think Jock was probably a little more shocking than uh <laughs> Than Scott Alexander. Yeah, but yeah definitely. definitely. Definitely a little strange. Uh, we head to um, the final game of this, and uh, that would be uh, what? Kershaw Day. Or the rubber, the rubber match. match. <laughs> this is a rubber game of the series. Alex Cobb on the mound for the Giants. Uh, gave uh, He went four and uh, a third innings. And then, of course, Kersh had a pretty decent outing, didn't he? He did. Six innings, uh, gives up five hits, two runs, eight strikeouts, and only one home run. 
But he had that same, maybe that same mentality. He and Haney's like, listen, this is your goal. 10 strikeouts, jumbo jacks. Do it for the jumbo jacks. And maybe right. that kind of channels the whole thing. Uh, Justin Brule came in. Um, he had been called up from Oklahoma City, still kind of finding his way. He gave up a home run. Um, but Evan Phillips looked good with two strikeouts. And then Alex Vesia, of course, came in and closed it out with uh, two strikeouts. Uh, Brule gets a blown save. In that game, yes, he does, um, and so that Kirsch does not concerning. figure in the decision. Yeah, that was the most. Um, I think what people were most upset about was Justin Brule, and he's kind of a question mark for me. I'm not quite sure about him. You're going to have to get over that and stop asking that question because we know that the Dodgers um, are having pitching issues, and I know you'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later, but. Um, I don't think that anybody can be discounted at this point uh, as far as uh, the Dodgers pitching. They're going to need all arms on deck. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, they might actually need to get Hauntzer, um developing a couple of more pitches because they may very well need him uh, they in might. more than just blowouts. But in this game, uh, we got Max Muncy, three for five, three RBIs, home run. JT gets in on the action with the home run. He's three for four, or two for four, sorry, with three RBIs. Um, Cuz, two for four. I mean, uh, just, you know, getting hits. Of course, you know, we talk about the top. We always talk about Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman. All of them had a hit. Um, Trey had a RBI. He had a double that scored a run. So, um, well, and you've got to expect from Freddie, it seems like that's just constant. If he doesn't get a hit, that's bigger news than when he does. Exactly. He, he leads MLB with 180 hits as of the weekend. He's leads MLB in batting average with a 331 batting average. He's six points higher than um, Goldschmidt is, whoever he's been talking about, Triple Crown. Not to say that he can't still. He's still, you know, it just takes a, a, a little mini slump by Freddie, but I don't see that happening. Freddie has been by far the most consistent Dodger um, and, and Trey's a close second, but they've been, the two of them have been far more consistent than even Mookie and Mookie's been pretty consistent overall. Yeah. He's kind of trailing uh, behind them, but they all um, hit together in the batting cage and uh, really I think help each other out. Um, obviously we saw that we talked about how, um, Trey and Freddie told Mookie, listen, you just got to get out there and hit, you got to stop, you know, looking for that pitch or watching for that pitch. You just need to hit. And we've seen that because he's just been crazy, you know, with he's, you know, already 30 some odd home runs. So and Just, what is the it's it's considered an unwritten rule of baseball is you hit the ball where it's pitched. Just just go out there. The greatest hitters, Rod Carew was uh, was a big one who could take wherever you threw it and he put the ball where he wanted to put it. Tony Gwynn, mm -hmm. another one. These are guys that you're not seeing that kind of technician type of hitting from. Um, but. Instead of worrying about where it's going to be, you have to go out there and Vladimir Guerrero every pitch. It bounces in front of you, and you can drive it out of the park. 
do it. Nobody said you couldn't hit that pitch. It's not a dead ball because it bounced in front of the plate and you able you were able to hit it. That is the key. Don't worry about where it's going to go. Once you see it, you employ like a lot of hitters did. Pete Rose talked about this and you could see the lights going on in a fraud and uh, and um, um, Frank Thomas's brain when he was telling them this. I just moved up in the box to cut it off. They can't backdoor slider me because it breaks when it gets back behind you. They can't do that if I'm in, up farther in the box. They got to try something else. I can make them, and now that's even a better strategy because when you've only got 20 seconds and the catcher is going to call something, and then right in that time frame you slide up in the box a little bit, you've now thrown them off. Now what do I do? I can't draw if I if I disengage, it's going to cost me or could cost me down the road. I'm out of luck. So um, I think that, that that you know there could be more offense that way. But the the hitters these days are locked into their routine and they don't know how to adjust. And I think that that what we're seeing with like Freddie, I see Freddie take and go. This looks like a good pitch to hit, and he hits it. He yeah. doesn't worry about where it's at. But you got to go like Vladimir Guerrero Sr. And and just you can hit that ball wherever it's coming from. If it looks good to you and you can put the wood on it, do it. Um, That's it. Um, but so the Dodgers feel good as they uh, leave L.A. after winning the uh, – the series against uh, San Francisco and head to San Diego or, Where, you know, Dave Roberts is always happy when they're in San Diego because it's about the uh, Petco is about 20 minutes from where his house is. Yeah. And he doesn't get to stay there a lot during the season. So he got to go home, sleep in his own bed and, uh, and hang out. And, you know, I've, I've become, I'm not always a fan of his managing style, but I obviously, I think most of us have um, finally gotten where we we just get how he's going to do it. We we know when it's a Andrew Friedman thing or an analytics um, department thing. Going back to like what we talked about with Joe Madden last week, yeah. that you're going to have that staff in there telling you what you should do, and then you can kind of tell when Dave is. It's Dave's call. Oh, yeah. But what definitely. I'm really enjoying is I've heard him a lot on, uh, like, MLB radio, uh, them talking to him. Um, I saw a, uh, a Dodgers backstage that they show on the Dodgers channel where they were, they went to, when they were in New York, the team went to the Jackie Robinson Museum. And they were showing that. And they talked with Dave for a little bit there. And he's just, he's he's pretty much... Um, he's pretty open about things and, uh, and thanks to him, I kind of learned a couple things about Tony Gonsolin, which we can get into a little later as well, but I, I'm, I'm really kind of getting to the point where I, there's no need to, to, um, to, to bad mouth him about stuff. It's just like, you know what? He's a nice guy. I like how his, his framework, he's got a good baseball mind. I just don't think they always let him use it. And that goes back to like what Joe Madden was saying. Are we middle managers, implementers, or are we managing a baseball team? True. 
So they head down uh, to San Diego. Doc gets to sleep in his own bed, which he but, said he was happy about. But I don't know that that really ha- helped against Mike Clevenger, who was on the mound, and a very hot Manny Machado. Very hot. And this game was delayed 45 minutes because of our mom. Uh, no, uh, Tropical, Tropical Storm, Storm K. <laughs> Thanks for the rain, Mom. That's Appreciate right. That. We needed uh, it. Yeah, Mike Clevenger's on the mound versus Dustin May, and he still, you know, looked really good, obviously, in that first outing and still has not quite found his command. He has uh, flashes of of some brilliance, but a lot of that has to go back to he just, you know, with the Tommy John surgery, you got to find your command, and um, he didn't find it. a little bit. Yeah, it's like with him, is it, uh, wow, it's Dustin May Day? Or is it just May Day, May Day, May Day? It might be just May Day. Uh, In this case, yeah, I mean, five innings pitched, gave up five hits, four runs, did give up a home run. But, you know, three walks, three strikeouts. So, um, but this game also was a Zinnings game, so never a good... um, Zinnings games are just never good for the Dodgers. Don't want to see it because they just can't. It's hit and miss. Just hit and miss every time. Yeah, but they tend in this, to lose more than they win when we go exactly. to, the, to the Zinnings. Uh, Freddie Freeman, though, was two for four, had a home run in this game. Uh, Trace Thompson, can't talk enough about him. Home run. Uh, he's one for four. And, uh, you know. That's pretty much it. There wasn't a lot. There's not a lot to talk about. Like I said, no, I mean they just game. they just couldn't keep it together. It was uh, the Machado. It's like you know when you're playing um, in any other sport. You know you've got uh, if you're playing the Lakers, let's say, and you shut down LeBron James, you force other players. Now now the best teams have a lot of options. But you go somewhere and you shut down a, a certain player. We've talked about Virginia Squires having both Dr. J and George Gervin at the same time. Both prolific scorers. If you could shut them down, you were going to win. If you could shut down in the NFL, we're stopping their running game. If they can't pass it, or you, you, you're constantly blocking the best options. In baseball, it's easier to let one player just go about their business if you can counteract it on your side. So who cares if Manny Machado goes three for three? The problem is you can't let Trent Grisham hit a three-run home run. You cannot. And that's what he did. And then also, um, this is the question I, I have, and I know you're going to say stop questioning it because it deals with pitching, but they had Jake Reed and they had Heath Hembree. They both pitched in New York. That was kind of like their first, um, you know, they got called up. Jake Reed looked awesome. And then he gets DFA'd. We keep Heath Hembree, who gives up a single to Jake Cronenworth, who you can't, oh, you, I mean, he's had a home, he had a home run in this game, um, not in this game, but in the series. But he gets hits when they need it, and he gets the uh, single that scores. Soto because Soto was on second and that's it. That's the end of the game. Yeah. Walk off hit for him there. Uh, but that's only one. 
It's only one. So and they don't they don't lower their magic number, which, as we went into this series, we didn't mention at the beginning. If they sweep the Padres, they are the champions. You are the champion. <laughs> they would have been raised up, like Mufasa raising up Simba. Simba. <laughs> yeah. So it's because I had forgotten Simba's name. Yeah. Isn't that funny though? I forgot the easy name. Right. But I but you, the the both. harder what would have should have been the harder name, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so game yes. two though, Julio. Julio, 16 wins he gets with this uh with this game. And again, underrated, goes seven innings, gives up five hits, two runs, does give up two home runs, um, but five strikeouts and looks good. I mean, he really is you know, somebody that I think we just like, oh, Julio's on the mound and this is what he should be doing. And we don't give him enough credit. Again, though, um, you know, he pitches the seven. Bill Bickford comes in, gives up one hit, but no runs. And then Heath Hembry again comes in, gives up three hits and two runs. I, he is like, I don't get why was he kept and not Jake Reed, who in his two appearances looked good. Like, looked better than Hembry has. Yeah. Uh, Manny, Manny was responsible for the two home runs versus Julio. Yep. And then, um, then, uh, Jay, uh, what's Bell's first? Josh. Uh, Josh Bell, yeah. three for four in that game. And they go up against the, um, I think he's constantly underrested. I don't know. He's always got major bags under his eyes. Blake Snell looks like. Oh he needs yeah, it. he just always looks like he never gets enough sleep. He's pulled an all-nighter. He has a big test the next day. Yeah, he, he, he's did. On he had the a mound. big test, and it was called the Dodgers offense because yeah. the Dodgers offense goes off. Trey two for four, three RBIs, three runs scored, triple and a double. Um, uh, uh, Freddie Freeman got a hit. Yeah, um, four for five, four RBIs, home run, and a double. And he had said before the game when he was talking to David Bache in an interview, he didn't get good sleep because in the hotel room, they forgot to get a rollaway bed for Charlie. So Charlie slept in bed with uh, him and his wife. And you know how little kids are. They hit you in the face, roll around, you know. Wake up with a foot in your in your face. Face. <laughs> exactly so it's like right. all right you know if uh, you're not going to get good sleep and you're going four for five i think that's a prescription for you <laughs> yeah hey charlie needs to sleep with you all the time then <laughs> yeah and, it, uh, and it, if that's not enough invite charlie kershaw to come over and hang out with you as that's well. right sleepover so have a sleepover with the two charlies and just let that go whatever uh, it takes that's it. Yeah. So um, a big, big night for the uh, for the offense uh, there, but it was an even bigger Sunday when oh. Andrew Haney heads back to the mound for the Dodgers. But they're ta- they're taking on Joe Musgrove this time, who has always been a tough one for the Dodgers, except for Justin Turner, who uh, is not a threat. You know, as Musgrove has said, never a threat. But he's never, never. 
All right. So in this game, um, as you mentioned, Andrew Haney is on the mound. Only has six strikeouts this time, but Dodger pitching still gets the jumbo jacks. So he does it again. He starts out with the six and they add on. So he's got the pitching staff for the most part when he's pitching on board with the jumbo jacks. Um, he does give up a home run. That was to Jake Cronenworth. And, uh, but that's it. And then Alex Vesia comes in, uh, Chris Martin, and Andre Jackson, who we have seen before, uh, made his major league debut last year. He comes in. He gets called up from Oklahoma City. He goes two innings, gives up two hits, has two strikeouts, looks really good. So it's like, all right, I don't have a question about Andre Jackson in this game. But again, we've got JT. That's who we're going to talk about because obviously he's not much of a threat, as Joe Musgrove has said. But he had two home runs, one of those home runs being a grand slam. A grand slam. And not only that, if you go back, and I'll try to remember to link this, put it on Twitter, which is at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A, you got to listen to the San Diego announcers call the Grand Slam. You wouldn't know that they're calling the game for the Padres because it was, it's Slam Diego! And it was Justin Turner who was hitting it. Um, it was I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who I think it's it? just if it's they can San say Diego, Slam. It's Slam Diego. It, it doesn't matter. We're taking but, credit for it. Yes. Even if that's not our team. But yeah, this was a game the Dodgers were like, all right, you know, we we played and now it's um, 11 to 2. They win this game um, to close out the uh, this series with the Padres. Uh, yeah, JT in this game, two for four, five RBIs. Like I said, had the two home runs. Uh, Trey Turner with a home run that uh, was off of uh, Will Myers, who has pitched before. So you know, not as exciting because it's off of a position player, but he hit it into that um, top deck of that, the Western, you know, that brick building. Right. Um, can't think of what it's called, but anyway. Western something building. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. That does not happen very often. No, that, so, was, uh, that was pretty incredible home run as well. But even so, uh, you got Cody Bellinger, two for four. You see CT3 hitting. Um, Max Muncy, three RBIs. Uh, you know, at one point, I think, was it in this game where Dodgers, it was uh, two to nothing? Uh, Max lays down a bunt like a. Oh, yeah. That gets it going. You know, that kind of gets the scoring going. Uh, Dave Roberts, always happy to see the bunt laid down but yeah i mean this was a game where obviously the top three contributed um but everybody scored a run except for joey gallo well it happens it happens but he just wasn't in the right place nobody else did (laughs) so fun in the dugout with the water showers and uh oh ct3 home run we haven't seen a lot of that lately, so that was good to see. The Dodgers, oh, Freddie uh, Freeman with a home run. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Freddie Freeman. He got another hit. Okay. Uh, uh, Dodgers uh, are, are really in a good spot now. 
because they head to Arizona for three, and then they come back to go to San Francisco, and then they don't have anything longer than a bus ride because they're in, in California for the rest of the season. They go to San Francisco. They never leave California again as far as their games go. They'll go down to play San Diego, but Arizona comes in. St. Louis comes in to play them, but they have one more trip down to Petco uh, to see if they can continue to create Slam Diego moments. And I want to mention really quick, after the Sunday game, um, of course, it's a lot more fun when you win. Dodgers always have dress-up day on their um, what last, you know, one of their last road trips. It does, it's not necessarily the last one, but it's in there. It's always usually September. Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, Miguel Vargas, they were all part of a bigger group that dressed up as the gang from Sandlot. Um, they looked awesome. That's why Chris Taylor was clean shaven. A lot of people were like, who is that? We haven't seen that in a while. Um, he was, uh, smalls. He looked, uh, Perfect. I think they were the winners. And the laugh of the day was uh, JT, Cody, Joey Gallo, and Andre Jackson were Chippendales dancers. But Cody was confused and thought they were going to be dressing up as Chip and Dale. Chipmunks. Yes, and that was not the case. Uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman teamed up as... uh, Tiger Woods and uh, his caddy, um, Steve something. <laughs> can't think of what Tiger his and his is. caddy. And his caddy. I think Hanser Alberto was a Power Ranger. But, uh, and my favorite, Alex Bessia, Tony Gonsolin as Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, the superheroes from SpongeBob SquarePants. So lots of fun and always better when you can do it on a day where you win 11 to two. And it's also easier when you're at this part of the season and you're, um, you're on the verge of uh, clinching. Exactly. Uh, And, and at that point, didn't they supposedly uh, clinch at least a playoff spot? Apparently, but then, and they had a little toast. They got hats that had the postseason logo on it. That was it. There was nothing, you know, no beer showers, nothing extreme. Um, Andrew Haney, I think, wanted more because this is his first time that he will ever be going with the team to the postseason. Um, and he was like, yeah, some of those guys were like, yeah, ho ho, whatever. Um, well, when they win the West. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a little bit more. But um, that's how Dave Roberts is always kind of with the clubhouse management. That's how it's always been. Uh but it was not to be because MLB said, no, that that's not that didn't happen. We miscalculated and there's still a sliver of a chance that the Padres could win the West. Yeah. Like, now well, the this Dodgers- wasn't about them winning the West. The Dodgers, did they make the playoffs or not? It's just a matter of that they can at least get the a wild card spot. Exactly. Else Were they going into the postseason? Had nothing to do with winning the division, anything like that. But the Apparently. MLB said it's like uh, the movie Mister Three Thousand with uh, Bernie Mac. Yeah. Where they do a calculation. They find out he only had two thousand nine hundred ninety nine hits, and of course, he's been Mister Three Thousand everything that he's done in his post baseball life. Yes, serial uh, batteries, whatever. Every everything. 
All right, so uh, let's take a look at this week's player of the week. All right, this week I had to go with Max Muncy, nine RBIs, three home runs. Uh, got the Dodgers on the board with a bunt. Um, yeah, I mean, love seeing Max be Max. You know, you want to see the funky monkey Max, and he's here. And uh, want him to continue. Yeah, no, that was, uh, it was good to see him out there. And it's always good to see him smiling and feeling happy about playing the game. Uh, Max was a, was is definitely an awesome choice. I went, uh, as you would say, the obvious choice this week. And I went with Freddie. Uh, Freddie was just on fire. Get this. He batted 546. It's outer worldly. Half of his at bats came up with a hit. It was just, it was pretty incredible. I don't even have to say any more than that. He, I already said he leads MLB with a 331 batting average and, uh, and in hits. So he has, and I don't want to hear any more about what happened in, uh, in Atlanta, whether he wanted to be there or didn't want to be there, because bottom line is he's a professional and he's come here and he's playing. And I'll think if he'd have gone to play with the A's, he'd have been doing this because that's the kind of guy he is. All right, hopping in the dugout cart to take a ride around baseball. Start off big news for the minor leaguers. Yeah, Rob Manfred announced that the league is going to recognize the Major League Baseball Players Association as the new collective bargaining representatives for minor league players. So this is a big, it's very significant um, that this is happening and um, great for the minor leaguers because they, uh, we've all heard the horror stories and the things that are going on. Things are getting better in the minors, but this will this will help even more. Yeah, this will definitely uh, kind of level their playing field mm-hmm. a little bit, get them a little more money, some better um, condition for playing the game. You expect them to be ready to come up. You want to call somebody from, you know, from single double A, single A, whatever, and they're having to sleep on an air mattress and they're not why are they more injury prone all of these issues could play into uh what's happening uh i just had to throw this in um the somewhere in florida blue jays the minor league team of the toronto blue jays uh make the playoff hey and i don't really know why i care about that other than that uh, i saw that they were the somewhere in florida Somewhere in Florida, Blue Jays. And then the Triple A Championships, the Triple A National Championship. So there's two Triple A leagues, the International League and the Pacific Coast League. They're going to each qualify two teams for the playoffs. And then uh, they will go and they're going to play this all in Vegas. The Pacific Coast League teams will square off. The International League teams will square off. And the two of them will play each other to be the Triple A champion. This is the first time they've ever done that. Oh, cool. We're it's gonna all going to take place there in Las Vegas. Watch watch that. Keep an eye on it. Well, I do have, before we get to Players of the Week, we'll just mention uh, that the Giants are keeping around one of their impending free agents, and that would be uh, infielder Wilmer Flores. He gets a multi-year deal, um, pays him about $6.5 million in each of the next two uh, seasons, and does have a player club option for 2025. So, uh, so Wilmer, 
will be Wilmer Checkswing Flores will be back with the <laughs> Giants. And uh, let's get to players of the week. The one of these guys uh, was your player of the week. And another guy was somebody that we're like, he doesn't really look that great. You mentioned that when they were playing against the Angels, that he just was swinging at balls and doing things that were very unlike him. Um, But our players of the week are the players of the week, not our players of the week. One of them was your player of the week. But Major League Baseball player of the week, Bo I know, of the American League and Freddie Freeman for the National League. Um, they were both named players of the week. Bo opened the week with one of the more productive days. Uh, he had six hits, seven RBIs across both games of a doubleheader in a sweep of Baltimore. He had three hits and two RBIs in the first game, and he had the first three homer game of his career in the second game, and then he followed that up with a four-game, a four-hit game on Tuesday, and then he went hitless in the finale. I guess he just got it all out, but then he hit his fifth home run of the week on against Texas, and then he hit three doubles on the Saturday game and a single on Sunday. So this is his first time winning a player of the week award and he is the third blue jay to win it this year and of course freddie freeman thank you thank you the blue jays owe me a thank you yeah because it was you talking about him not being the player that he should be or that we were he's billed as and now look at him exactly look at him now uh what more can we say about freddie freeman um yeah 12 for 22 546, as you said, batting average, three home runs, eight RBIs, four walks, only three strikeouts. He recorded a hit in every game he played in, had multi-hit games in four of the six um, games. And, uh, yeah, his best performance, of course, was on Saturday. He had four runs, had a hit a home run. Um, He also hit a home run on Monday against the Giants and on Saturday against the Padres. Third time winning player of the week this year and the eighth time that he's won it in his career so let's take a quick look uh, like we told you we do at uh, at the standings where we stand um where we're at uh, as we're heading into the last couple weeks of the season the yankees look like they were fading a little bit um, and the rays we're gaining on them. Well, Yankees go in and uh, play some games against the Rays. So far, they've been able to hold that uh, five-and-a-half game lead over them. Uh, and then uh, Toronto is, uh, is, is right there. Toronto's pretty much uh, solidified their spot in the, uh, the wild card. Cleveland, three games on the White Sox, who overtook Minnesota. And last week, Minnesota and Cleveland were battling it out. Cleveland trying to uh, to take that spot uh, and win because it doesn't look like anybody else is uh, is going to come in out of the AL Central. Houston is 11 and a half over Seattle. So Seattle's big thing is just uh, a wild card spot at this point. That's what they're playing for, not playing for the AL West. The Mets and the Braves. So during the week, they swapped. And we kind of alluded to that there might be some things happening Last week, well, the Braves took over first place for a little bit. For a little bit. Yeah, now the Mets are back up. Uh, a game separates them, but they're very close. They still have a couple of games against uh, one another. So we'll see 
how that uh, how that particular race plays out. Uh, St. Louis, eight games uh, ahead of Mike, uh, and they've got a series uh, that uh, has been playing this week. Dodgers, 20 games up on the Dregs. That one's pretty much done. Uh, and then uh, if we look at what we're going to see probably playoff-wise, Houston and the Yankees will get the bye for the first uh, first game. The Houston's going to have to go to, to lose the number one seed. Houston is up by six games over the Yankees. They're going to have to drop quite a few. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Cleveland would be the third team of the division winners. Seattle, Toronto, Tampa Bay all right now have the wild cards. The Orioles unlikely to get in uh, or five and a half games out of the wild card race. National League, the Dodgers and the Mets right now hold um, the bye weeks. Uh, the Braves are ten and a half games up, so they're pretty much in the wild card. Uh, regardless, we'll see what happens with uh, if you know things change, whether it's the Mets in the wild card and uh, or what. And then um, Philadelphia is a half and a game, uh, one and a half games up over San Diego. San Diego holds the final of the uh, the wild card spots with a two game lead over Milwaukee which could still, they don't have any head-to-head, but uh, all it takes is for the Padres to lose a few and Milwaukee to win a few, and that could change in a hurry. Uh, One thing that they're going to have to watch out for is to make sure, and that's the Padres, the Brewers, any of these teams, just got to make sure that their players stay off of the wheel! Figure out how to do that uh, George of the Jungle thing. Watch out for that tree. Watch out for that uh, wheel. You'll figure it out. Shut up. All right. Hopping on the wheel this week. We have kind of a theme going with uh, at least three. Uh, Luis, uh, I always want to say Robert, but Robert of the White Sox. He is listed as day-to-day with the left-hand contusion. Jose Iglesias, I mentioned him last week. He is now on the 10-day IL with a right-hand contusion. And David Fletcher is listed day-to-day with a right-hand contusion. Which, I forgot to mention that. He got hit in the hand. The ball came inside, and it looked like maybe it went off the bat. But he had dropped his hand off the bat, and the ball hit him right in there. And at first, there was talk that he had a broken finger. But it hit, it looked like it hit, like, the heel of his hand, the palm, lower palm, heel yeah. of his hand. So the that paper, must be. Whatever it was. Yeah, because we got three players, Chicago, Colorado, and the Angels with the uh, contusions, hand contusions. Uh, Gavin Lux is listed as day-to-day with back soreness still. Hasn't been put on the IL, has been doing some uh, batting practice. Um Blake Trinan was off the IL, now back on the IL with shoulder soreness, but has been throwing steady feels good. So we will see how that uh, how that goes, because we really do need him. Victor Gonzalez and Danny Duffy both had their rehab stopped and because they are not progressing as they should be. And so we probably will not see either of them um, before the season ends or even... The end of Danny Duffy's because he had this is the end of his contract. That's it. 
So if his goal, as you said, was to never pitch for the Dodgers, he did it. He did it. You did it. So but he, that was his goal. It must have been. He always wanted to be a Dodger, though, because he grew up a Dodger fan. So he, he was a be, Dodger. Pitch for the Dodgers. Yeah, he was a Dodger, but he never pitched. So, uh, but Tommy Conley, it looks like he's with the taxi squad. He went through his rehab so we could see him. Uh, Tony Gonsolin uh, looks like uh, he is starting with a throwing program and should be back. I don't know if he will be back before the end of the regular season or if it will be something that they push him, you know, just to get him ready for postseason. I, that's what um, the other day uh, in one of the interviews with Doc, he did mention that they thought he'd be back, you know, coming up maybe next week. And right now it's looking more like the end of September. He's not saying that, it, you know, it's there's anything wrong with that. It's just, you know, how it's progressing. They want to make sure that they, you know, they take their time with it and do that, but that it's going to be a little longer than they initially expected. Yeah, so, and then uh, we'll move to Miami. Uh, Jorge Soler, who's been dealing with back issues uh, for most of the season, has been in off and on. Um, he will miss the rest of the season. And then uh, Keyboard Ru uh, Ruiz of the Nationals, uh, who is a former Dodger, um, is on the 10-day IL with a gro groin injury. So they join everybody. You sure that was a groin or a growing? Because he's still a young guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's groin. Groin. Uh, so they join everybody that was on the IL from last week. Overcrowded will, might tilt. So we got to invest in another one. Maybe we need to get like a double, double decker wheel. Ooh, I like that. So, yet another full wheel. Obviously, the, uh, the playoff teams, uh, the contenders, want to get some of those guys off of that wheel and these nagging little injuries uh, to make it through. And I'm sure some of these guys who do have nagging little injuries will push it through to, uh, to the po to the off season. If, uh, if they've got a chance to play in the playoffs and maybe even a world series, a lot of talk about MVP race, Shohei versus judge right now. I feel like everybody's kind of going with judge because of his home run chase, will he become uh, the uh, the all-time leader for Yankees home runs in a season? We'll see if he can pass Roger Maris and the 61, uh, you know, coming up uh, by the end of the season. Right now, Judge pretty much leads in all offensive categories in Major League Baseball. Not just the American League, but in MLB. Uh, with the exception of just a couple and those are Freddy's. He's definitely doing that. I mean, and he's almost 20 home runs ahead of number two, which is Kyle Schwarber from the Phillies. He has 37 home runs as of the weekend to the 55. And that is the most glorious thing because Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols both eclipsed a fraud. So in that, I'll go ahead and give Aaron Judge the most valuable player award. Why not? Yeah. Right? Just for that. <laughs> for that alone uh, will be worth it. But the question is going to come down, and we'll talk about this as we get, uh, you know, down towards the end of the season. We can start talking about postseason awards. 
uh, Cy Young Award, MVPs, things like that. But uh, maybe something to start thinking about. Aaron Judge's season, as great as it's been, is he a more valuable player than Shohei? And has Shohei pretty much put a lock on it simply because of what he can do? All right, let's roll out the tarp and uh, and call it a day. That is it for this edition of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We appreciate you coming in and listening. Remember, you can find us on social media, and you definitely want to head to the Instagram to see if you can get that Pop Funko uh, Shohei uh, action figure or in-action figure or whatever it is. Uh, it's a pretty cool-looking little thing. I, I, I may have to get one of those for myself. Uh, that uh, it was really uh, it's really a neat looking uh, um, figure. Uh, it's good for uh, to add in with any bobbleheads or other sports collectibles you have. So do that at uh, Sibling Rivalry BB. You can find us at that same with the Facebook, Twitter at Rivalry BB without the A, and our website uh, SiblingRivalryBB.com. And make sure you hit the Fanatics link because now you'll be able to go get your postseason gear for whichever team you're rooting for, but especially right now for the Dodgers, since they're the only ones who have clinched anything. Yeah, get ready. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll be talking about the Roberto Clemente Award and the nominees from the different teams, as well as uh, following up on what happened with the Dodgers and the Angels and, uh, and our ride around baseball. Uh, once again, we appreciate you uh, you listening in. Don't forget to uh, tune in next week, the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast, and don't forget to swing away. <laughs>